Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. making a difference you are in this world to wreak havoc on the enemy's camp and we are we are the army of God and he has an assignment for you and it is not insignificant every part of the army of God plays a part and the beautiful part about that is is that we are not fighting for victory God has made us an army. His church is an army that occupies until he returns. That's what an army does. But we fight from a place of victory because Jesus Christ, he completely demolished the works of the devil on the cross and through the resurrection. And so some of us feel defeated. No, you are not defeated. You are the army of God fighting from a place of victory. Some of us feel worn down. No, you are the army of God fighting from a place of victory. It doesn't mean that we don't fight because Jesus won the battle. No, we still fight. We still occupy. We we, we are more than conquerors though. You are the army. That is who you are. Occupy until he comes. He has conquered every devil. He has conquered every emotion. He has conquered every opposition to who you are. He has conquered the enemy entirely, totally. You have victory in Christ. In his finished work on the cross. In his resurrection power that lives in you. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. Jesus, I thank you that you give your church identity. That you give your church identity. That you give your church assignment. It's not based on how we feel. It's not based on on what we're experiencing. It's based on what you have said. And what you said comes to pass. You spoke and entire galaxies came into formation. You spoke and mountains formed. Lord, your words carry weight and they change things. And you have said to us that we are sons and daughters of God, that we are more than conquerors, that there is not one Christian who is defeated. No, we occupy until you return. And Lord, I thank you that you have put identity on us through your cross and resurrection, that you have changed who we are, not just um, hypothetically or theoretically. No, you have changed our being in its totality. In the name of Jesus, I pray for your church that, that you will move in us today. Lord, continue to do the work that you started through worship and song. And Lord, finish the work that you started. Lord, your word tells us that you finished 
the work that you start. Lord, today I pray that every ear will open. Lord, I pray that every heart will be open, that, that we receive from your word today, that you speak directly to us. Lord, you, you want to communicate to us. Lord, there are people here today that feel that you have not been hearing them. Lord, that's the furthest thing from the truth. You hear us when we cry to you. You hear us. You are with us in our seasons of gladness and in our seasons of mourning and our seasons of joy and our seasons of despair. You are there. And Lord, I pray that you will be with us today, right now, in this moment, that you will do your work and, Father, glorify your name in this place. Holy Spirit, I need you. We need you. In your mighty name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. We're in the middle of not a series, but doing another standalone message. And um, I realized last week that I, I just... I crossed a line. I didn't tell a joke. Oh. And so I want to tell you a joke about Dr. Bob and Dr. Lee. Dr. Bob, he's a horticulturalist. That, I mean, he, 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 like, he, has a doc, he has a doctorate degree, but in farming and, and like raising plants and everything. And he kind of got sick of that. He got sick of the medical industry, so to speak. He's like, well, I'm a doctor. I'm going to go start my own medical practice, even though he's a doctor in farming. And so he went and started his own practice. And, and his advertisement to get new patients was, it's $500 per visit and $1,000 if I can't help you. I, I will give you $1,000 if I can't help you. So you pay, a thousand, you pay $500 to the visit. And if he can't help you, he'll give you $1,000. Like, that, that's a pretty good deal, right? Well, Dr. Lee... He is a real medical doctor. He has a doctorate in medicine, a license to practice medicine. Hence, it's interesting that doctors have a license to practice medicine. So I think sometimes we gotta we gotta go to the great physician who doesn't have a license to practice at all. He's just he is medicine. And so, um, Doctor Lee kind of gets infuriated with Doctor Bob because he's like, this guy's a fraud. He's a he's a quack. He's a sham. And so he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take and I'm going to give Dr. Bob a visit. And he goes there and um, he pays his $500. And Dr. Bob walks in. He goes, well, how can I help you today? What's going on? He goes, and Dr. Lee said, Dr. Bob, I just can't taste anything. And Dr. Bob turns to his assistant. He goes, go get me a vial out of um, cabinet 142. And so his assistant walks out and goes, gets him a vial, and he walks back in to, um, and hands it to Dr. Bob, who hands it to Dr. Lee. He says, drink that, and you'll be able to taste stuff. And so Dr. Lee drinks it, and he spits it out. He's like, oh, my goodness, that's gasoline. Oh, that's gross. He's like, that'll be $500, please. Um, so Dr. Lee is really mad now. He's like, oh. I'm, I'm really going to expose this guy for the fraud that he is. And he waits two or three weeks, and he walks in, and he, he has an appointment, and Dr. Bob walks into Dr. Lee, and he goes, how can I help you today? He's like, Dr. Lee, I'm really having a 
like, I just can't remember things. I'm like, my memory is going, and I can't remember things. So Dr. Bob turns to his assistant, and he says, go get me a vial out of cabinet 142. And Dr. Lee goes, whoa, 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 that's gasoline. And Dr. Bob goes, that'll be $500, please. <laughs> that'll be $500, please. And um, Dr. Lee, at this point, he is so mad. He, he's like, oh, I can't even make my money back, but like, it's worth the $500 investment to expose this man as a fraud. So he waits like a month, and he goes back. And he's waiting in the room, and Dr. Bob walks in, and um, he says, Dr. Lee, how can I help you? And Dr. Lee goes, my vision is just like I can't see. Like I'm having a really hard time focusing. Everything is blurry. And Dr. Bob goes, I, I can't help you. Like I really can't help you at all. Like that's really outside of, I, I don't understand eyes. And so he looks to his assistant. He goes, um, go get me $1,000. And so his assistant brings Dr. Bob $1,000. And um, Dr. Bob he hands Dr. Lee $500. And Dr. Lee goes, wait a second, this is $500. He goes, that'll be $500, please. <laughs> oh, I know, it's so stupid. So, it's so dumb. It's just, uh, I don't think Amy laughed once during that whole joke. <laughs> like, uh, she's like, uh, she's, she's a pro. She's heard them all. I told her a joke the other day, and she's like, are you done? I'm like, yeah, that's a good one for the church. I'm, I'm, I'm Today, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. And I've been reading through the book of Jeremiah personally, just kind of trying to read books that I don't often read. And as I was, I was list, I was actually listening to this. I was, I was laying in bed one night, and I was just trying to just soak in the word. You know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word, hearing the word of God. And I want, I want to increase my faith. I want to, I want to listen. And honestly, quite frankly, I actually learn better by listening. Like I, in college, I could listen to a professor and remember things. But if I went and read it, I would have to read it like 10 times to even start to understand. Like I just, I, I learn better by listening. That's why I like love podcasts. I love audiobooks. And I, 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 that's how I learn. And um, I was listening to Jeremiah. And like Jeremiah is called the, the weeping prophet. Man, he, he, he was a prophet during the reign of five kings. And really, honestly, no one listened to him. Like everyone knew that he was a prophet to the point where remnants of Israel came to him and said, um, Jeremiah, go talk to God for us. Should we flee to Egypt or should we stay? And Jeremiah went and prayed and he said, hey, if you flee to Egypt, you will be annihilated. And, and that's what the Lord said, stay and he will preserve you. Like he was saying, should we leave Israel or go to Egypt? And, and they fled and they got annihilated. Like no one listened to Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah, he, he, like we all, we probably all can have either written on a graduation card or, or a marriage card or whatever, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And it's a go-to verse, but sometimes we forget that that verse came right before 
the children of Israel went into exile. They got captured and conquered and dragged out of their homeland and got, got put, like, and you know, this is the plans that God has for me, plans to, pro-. And, and so God was telling them, like, no, this is part of the plan. This part just sucks. Um, and, and so, but we, we, we get caught up on those verses, but, but Jeremiah, he has a lot of good stuff, a lot of hard stuff, man, he, he's constantly saying, God's going to pour out his wrath if you don't repent. God's going to pour out his wrath if you don't repent. Like, and he, and he wept. He had a, such a heart for his peeper. Peeper. I don't know what that is. That's gross. Um, people. He had such a hard heart for his people. And in Jeremiah 13, I remember laying there listening to it, and I'm like, did I just hear that right? And I just don't remember. You guys ever read something in the Bible, and you just don't remember it being there? Like, you've read it before, because I, I, I've, I've read Jeremiah before. I just don't remember this section of Scripture. And so I went back, and this is like three or four weeks ago, and I went back, and I've just been chewing on it and chewing on it, and I'm like, I feel like there's a message here. And I believe that, that there's a message for us here. And so let's just get into it. Jeremiah 13, 1 through 14, it says, this is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen loincloth and put it on and do not wash it. So I bought the loincloth as the Lord directed me and I put it on. Thus far, this is going to get juicy. This is, this, this is a passage that I, I've never heard preached before. The Lord gave me another message. Take the linen loincloth you're wearing and go to the Euphrates River, hide it there in a hole in the rocks. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates River as the Lord instructed me. A long time afterward, the Lord said to me, go back to the Euphrates and get the loincloth I told you to hide there. So I went to the Euphrates and dug it out of the hole where I had hidden it. But now it was rotting and falling apart. The loincloth was good for nothing. Then, the, then I received this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. This shows how I will rot away the pride of Judah and Jerusalem. These wicked people refuse to listen to me. They stubbornly follow their own desires and worship other gods. Therefore, they will become like this loincloth, good for nothing. As a loincloth clings to a man's way, so I created Judah and Israel to cling to me, says the Lord. They were to be my people, my pride, my glory, and honor to my name, but they would not listen to me. So I tell you, so tell them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. May all your jars be filled with wine. And they will reply, of course, jars are made to be filled with wine. Then tell them, no, this is what the Lord means. I will fill everyone in this land with drunkenness, from the king sitting on David's throne to the priest and the prophets, right down to the common people of Jerusalem. I will smash them against each other, even parents against children, says the Lord, and I will not let my pity or mercy or compassion keep me from destroying them. Man, that's so encouraging, right? Praise the Lord. Oh, so I want, I want to hit some stuff right out the gate before we get into the context of the message. 
I'm not going to focus so much on what God communicates in that message to Israel and Judah, but I'm going to communi- I want to focus on how God communi- communicated it to Israel and Judah, okay? So we're not focusing on what God said to them. We're focusing on how God said it. We're focusing on the process. And there's another thing we need to understand before we dig in. Any Old Testament scripture, we got to understand this. Because that really seems ruthless and heartless of God, right? Like, that's not like Jesus at all. And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we need to understand something. Judah abandoned God and were worshiping God, other gods. They, they completely walked out on God. But they were un- under what we would call the Old Covenant. And that was a, a legally binding thing that, that the nation worshiped God through. And so when they violated the Old Covenant, this, this legal contract that God made with himself on behalf of Israel, because they couldn't keep the contract, they would... Hence, but God made it with himself that he would bless them. And, he, and, and then he gave them 613 laws, legal laws, that they had to follow. And they just threw them out the window. They were not following God at all. And, but they were under what we would call the old, contra, the, the old covenant. We can't really relate to that side. Because we're not under that. We are not made righteous by the number of rules or laws we keep. You can't be righteous. Even if you kept 613 or six, if you, if you, even if you kept 612, if you broke one law in the old covenant, you were guilty of breaking all of them. So, and there's not one person that could keep them. But then Jesus, Jesus came and he kept all 613 mitzvahs or laws, the requirements So Jesus completely fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. And so Jesus, in his own words, he said, I did not come away to, I did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So he fulfilled the legal requirements of the law. And then God, on the cross, charged Jesus with breaking all the legal requirements of the law, even though he broke none. So Jesus went to the cross in our place to fulfill the law's requirements of righteousness. And because he did that, we get to be the righteousness of God. And so when he rose from the dead, he established what we call the new covenant, a new contract with God, but it's through the blood of Jesus. And the only way to get to God is not by our own efforts. That's the law. That's legalism. We can't do it. That's what Israel was under during Jeremiah's time. They walked out on it. The only way we can get to God is through Jesus Christ and to rest in the mercy and the grace of God. To say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You fulfilled everything for me, and now my identity is in you. That's really it. And so when we look at this, we got to understand that we can't relate to that side. Like, well, God's pouring out his wrath on their sin And so you're telling me God doesn't pour out his wrath anymore on sin. He doesn't. You're like, well, that's not what I've heard. Well, I'm really good at ruffling feathers, so I'm just going to go for it. I'm just like, who needs some good ruffling of feathers? Let's get some air in there. 
God doesn't pour out his wrath anymore on sin because he completely poured out his wrath on Jesus. The overflow of sin is death. So these nations that look like the wrath of God is pouring out on them, or people who's like, like, man, God must be against. No, he's not against anyone. Like, he, like God poured out his wrath completely, entirely on Jesus on the cross. We're in the age of grace. Now, with that said, if you live a sinful life, or a nation just lives in sin, it, as the overflow of sin is what? Death. So what do you expect? It, like, God doesn't have to pour out his wrath because sin produces death. You look at, at cities that are so immoral and crime rates through the roof. And people are just, God doesn't have to pour out his wrath. Sin is wrath enough. But the cool thing is the darker it gets, the more sinful it gets. The, the worse this world gets, God's grace shines brighter. The more sinful it gets, the better the grace of God shines. The darker it gets, the more light penetrates the darkness. And so, God is not actively going around pouring out wrath. You know, like we, like when a hurricane hits or, you know, a F5 tornado, they call that the finger of God. That's, that's just the world. And, and, and it's the overflow of sin in our world. Even natural disasters, anything that causes death is the overflow of sin. Stars exploding is the overflow of sin. The Bible says all creation groans because of sin. Know what God does pour out now? Because he poured out his wrath on Jesus, he pours out grace. He pours out grace. So with, with that out of the way, what I want to look at today is how God communicates. So I'm going to be speaking to you, and I, I titled my message something that I pray that will help us remember it, okay? I want us to remember how God communicates to us. So the, the title of my message is this, Lessons in the Loincloth. Lessons from a Loincloth. I, I bet you guys have never heard a message titled that. Lessons from a loincloth. So the first lesson I want to look at is God's communication with us is not always conventional. God's communication with us is not always conventional. I'm not saying that God can't communicate to us in conventional ways, but I'm saying that if we put God in a box, we will miss a lot of how he communicates to us. Like, the most conventional, the most common, the 98, 99% of the time, God's way of communicating to us is his word. You don't get much more conventional than a book written by God himself, filled with letters to the church, 
written by God himself. Did you know the Bible is the only book where the author will sit down and help you understand it as you read it? Any and all communication from God will always agree with Scripture, and if it does not, then it is not communication from God. I want, want you to understand that. So as, as the Lord's communicating to you, we have got to have a firm foundation in the Word of God. And I, 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 don't, I don't know why this keeps coming up as in, in my messages lately, but I, I just feel like we got to pound it. You, you don't get a firm foundation in the Word of God unless you spend time in the Word of God. You know, you might read the Bible today and you might say, that did not speak to me. And so, but you, you, you put the Word of God in you when you don't need it, so when you do need it, the Holy Spirit can bring it up to you. And if you're not putting the Word of God in you, you don't have a wealth or a well for the Holy Spirit to, to pull from. So we have got to be in the Word of God, not as a legalism, not as a religious thing, but we need to be in the Word of God to know God, to know His heart, for, to, to grow in intimacy with Him, and also to build a foundation of why we believe what we believe, because the world is just getting darker, and, and the church has got to shine more. And what do we stand on? We can't stand on, well, I feel this or I feel that. No, we stand on the Word of God. The Word of God penetrates hearts. The Word of God is anointed. The Word of God can change people's perspectives. The Word of God. The, the enemy does not have a defense for the Word of God. When, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, what did Jesus do? He quoted the Word of God. You, you want to live in perpetual victory over temptation? Go to the Word of God. If the Son of Man went to the, the if Jesus, the Son of God, went to the Word of God to overcome temptation, how much more do we need to go to the Word of God? But how did Jesus go to the Word of God? He didn't re open a scroll and just read it. No, it was in him. He spent time studying the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit brought it to him in his time of need. So we build upon the Word of God. That is like the most conventional way that God speaks to us. And that's the foundation. Amy and I went to, to CBC, Central Bible College, with, with some friends of ours. Or not really friends, like we went to school together. But they became missionaries. And they started deconstructing their faith. And when they built it back, <laughs> built it back, this, this whole deconstruction thing is so dumb. I'm not going to get into it, but... They didn't build it on the Word of God, and now they're not in ministry. They're divorced, and I, I think that sometimes it, when we disagree with God, we're wrong, and, and we, we, want God, we want God to be lenient, but at the end of the day, what God, we, we always go back to what the Word of God says. What does the Word of God say about this? What does the Word of God say? That's the foundation. I, I've heard it so many times. I've had to have some loving, hard conversations with people who have told me, and this is three examples that I've had conversations in ministry over the course of the ministry, is I feel like it's okay to be gay and live it openly in that lifestyle because God's okay with it. I've had that conversation. Or 
it's okay to have sex with my girlfriend, boyfriend, or fiance um, because we're going to get married and it's true love before marriage. I've heard those arguments. Or it's okay to shack up together. I've heard those arguments too. Like we're, we're, we're not having sex. We're just living together. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, okay, so let's, let's go back. Like I'm not going to share my opinion. I'm going to go to the word of God. I don't have to share my opinion. I get it. There are things that we want to do. But at the end of the day, are we willing to submit to the word of God? Because every single time these issues have come up, it's really a matter of submission. I get it. We all struggle with sin. But what does God's word say about it? If God talks about it, then at that point, we have got to submit to it. And if we don't submit to it, we don't get the right to say, no, God, you're wrong about this because I feel this way. The worst advice you can ever get is follow your heart. Our heart is filled with every kind of wickedness. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. Not follow it, guard it. Because it's a wellspring of life. So, we go back to the word of God. Do I think that people can struggle in these areas and follow Jesus? Absolutely. That's the point. All of us struggle, but are we submitting to the word of God? So that's the most conventional way that God communicates to us, the word of God. That has to be the foundation. And if we don't like it, it doesn't really matter because we're not God. We, we will either bow to Jesus now or bow to him later. The conditions of how we bow to him makes all the difference. If we bow now because of his mercy and grace for paying the cost of our sin, we will, get, we, we will receive heaven. But if we're forced to bow later because his wrath and judgment on our sin, that's going to be a bad day. Because right now, it's not that God doesn't have wrath on sin. It's, it's, he's not pouring it out. One day, he will step back to this earth and he will judge everything perfectly and entirely there will not be one excuse that you can make before a righteous god of why you did what you did because he's not like an earthly judge that sees in part he's seen evidence and all that stuff no he sees the intention of your heart when you make the decisions he sees everything perfectly so there won't be an excuse the only thing we can plead before god when we stand before him is i accepted jesus christ as my lord and savior and that changes everything. So he communicates to us through the word of God. He also communicates to us through, through words of knowledge, words of wisdom, tongues and interpretation. Um, my, my mom shared this story in a message once, and I thought it was so funny, and I thought, she might be talking about me. I, just like my kids work their way into messages a lot, I worked my way in my mom's messages, and there, I, I used to call my mom, and I would be like, Mom, do you have a word for me? you have a word for me? And I remember the conversation, and she didn't mention me by name, probably because she didn't want to throw me under the bus. So I'll throw me under the bus. Um, but my mom was so in tune with the Holy Spirit. you got to understand, like, my sisters didn't want to bring friends home 
because my mom would read their mail. Like, in just conversation, she'd be like, so how long have you been doing drugs? And she, they're like, what? Like, how do you, like, how do you know this? And, and she was like, like, yeah, you did it last week. And they're like, like, and then she would pray with them and share the love of Jesus with them. But my, my mom would just listen, and she's like, I have nothing to lose. And, and um, when, when we stepped into ministry here, I just remember calling my mom, and my mom would give, like, she would be like, the Lord, I was praying for you, the Lord told me to tell you this, and there were times where I'd be calling, I'd just call her, like, Mom, do you have a word from God for me? I'm just discouraged or whatever, and, and I remember one time she said, Ryan, I don't have a word for you, you just need to go get in the word and get the word yourself. And I'm like, ooh. She was right. Sometimes we can... We can depend on other people to give us that word instead of meeting with the Holy Spirit to give us the word. And so God, God communicates to us, don't get me wrong, through people in unconventional ways. He, and, and, but at the end of the day, it's the word. I'm, I'm going to hammer this home. The word of God is the most conventional way and the number one way. And everything, every other word that we get from God is filtered through the word of God. With that said, God communicates to us in so many ways. We don't need to put him in a box. It's not just the word of God. God literally had Jeremiah buy a new linen loincloth, wear it, travel to bury it, travel back, wait for a long period, travel back to where it was buried, dig it up, look at it, all to communicate a point to Jeremiah. And really hammer it home. Like this, he had to travel hundreds of miles to do this. This was not a cheap expedition. Like, it's really quite humorous that God did this. It makes me laugh every time I read it. But God communicates so many different ways to us. Have you guys ever got into your car and it you just felt heavy. You felt like the weight of the world were on your shoulders, maybe depression, anxiety, whatever that is, and you turned your car on and it gets picked up in the middle of a song and you were praying or whatever and you just that it picked up and it was like God was responding to how your heart was feeling. Have you guys ever had that happen? Like that song was literally right there at the right time through K-Love, Way of M, or maybe it was the next song on your playlist, but it was like exactly what you needed to hear right when you needed to hear it. I can't be the only one, right? ACDC gets me, I'm just joking. No, but I'm, I'm telling you, God... That's what God communicating to you. It's almost like a response to your heart. You get in your car and you're, you feel whatever you're feeling. And then that song about God's grace, that song about God's provision, that song about whatever, or the scripture of the day. Have you guys ever got that notification and you wake up or whatever and it pops up right at the right time? And it's exactly what you needed to hear or what you needed to receive. I remember one time I, I was praying and, and I, I just felt so defeated, and I felt like, I'm like, Lord, I need you. I don't feel full. Like, I, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, have you guys ever had those moments where, like, I don't know what's going on in me, but something's going on in me, and I just know that I need Jesus? And Colossians, like, 2.11 went through my, my head 
Like, it's just like, like, randomly, boom, Colossians 2.11. I'm like, what, what was that? This was like the first time that ever happened. I was like a junior in high school. And I opened it, and I, I, I might have got the scripture wrong. But it said, you have, been, you have been given fullness in Christ. I was like, I was telling, I was literally just telling God, I feel so empty. There's something wrong with me and all this stuff. And the scripture pops into my head, and it says, you have been given fullness in Christ. It was like God responding. That was God communicating. That was God communicating. He talks to us in so many different ways. About three months ago, I had a, I had a missed call um, during a board meeting, and I was leaving the board meeting, and a friend called me, and I, so I called him back and on the way home, and he said, hello, and I said, hello, man of God, how are you? And he stopped me, and he said, whoa, 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 what did you just call me? I said, man of God. And, and honestly, like, I would say probably half the time I, I call people or text people, I'll probably say something like that, hey, like, man of God, anointed man of God, or whatever. Like, just, I, I like to speak life into people. Like, it's not, it's, it's not uncommon for me to, to say that when I answer the phone. So it wasn't like the Holy Spirit was like, you need to call this man a man of God. I didn't hear like lightning or thunder or uh, the Lord sent a note across my dashboard. It wasn't like that. I just, he answered. I said, hello, man of God. And I did it on a whim. I'm like, I just need to speak life into my friend. That, that, that's just, that's all. And it was probably more out of habit than anything. But God, God used it. And he goes, what did you just call me? I said, man of God. I was like, are you, I was in my head, I'm like, is he offended that I called him a man of God? Like, what, what just happened? He's like, and, and um, but he's like, you have no idea. And I, I, I can almost hear, like, you know, like those moments where like a man's man, like this guy's a man's man. But you can almost hear that quivering in his throat of like, it hit him just right, like those God moments. And it meant so much to him. I, I heard that. And I said, well, I called you a man of God because that's who you are. He said, dude, I got to tell you, 15 seconds ago, my neighbor just read me the riot act right in my front yard, cussed me out and said, by the way, you are no man of God. And 15 seconds later, I call him and say, hello, man of God. <laughs> and you can't tell me that wasn't God. God communicates in unconventional ways. And just to clear the air, not to get into details, but he got cussed out because he just offered godly, fatherly advice to a teenage boy that was making bad decisions. That was it. And Mama Bear didn't like that very much. So it is what it is. But God communicates to us in so many different ways. But we can get so focused on one area or one avenue of how he communicates that, that we miss things. So I, I want to read, read about another prophet real quick, Elijah. Let's, let's throw it up real quick. This is where he went to a cave and had a conversation with God. And it's on the mountain of God. He said, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty, but 
The people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. He was a little sore about some stuff in his life. And then the Lord said, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Everyone say, sound of a gentle whisper. So, since I ruined Peter walking on water last week, I'm just going to go ahead and ruin this passage for you guys this week. It never says that God communicated to Peter, to Peter, to Elijah through a gentle whisper. We can get so caught up on one avenue of how God communicates to us that we can focus on it, and if we focus on it, we can miss all these other ways. And I'm, I'm not saying God didn't speak to Elijah here. It says he heard the sound of a gentle whisper. It could have been. And it says, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He brought back to the same thing that he said at the beginning. And we, like, I've heard this whole message is like, we just got to get still and listen for that gentle whisper. No, I think, I think what we need to do is to get still and get unbusy. But I truly believe that God is consistently and constantly talking to his people. Why? The Spirit of God lives in us. Elijah, the, James, the little brother of Jesus, says this about Elijah. Elijah was a man just like you and me. Like, well, he called down fire from heaven. He did all these miracles and all this stuff. Well, what did, I'm, I'm going to tell you about another prophet real quick, John the Baptist. Jesus said about John the Baptist, he's the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. He's the greatest of all the prophets. John the Baptist didn't do one miracle. He didn't prophesy one thing. And Jesus said he was greater than Jeremiah. He was greater than Elijah. And what does Jesus say about John the Baptist? And he's the least in the kingdom of God. Well, what are we? The kingdom of God. So just, I'm going to do some Arkansas math real quick. But I'm pretty sure that in the kingdom, you rank higher than Elijah, Jeremiah, and John the Baptist. All the Old Testament prophets wish they had access to the Holy Spirit like we have. The Holy Spirit rested on them. The Holy Spirit lives in us. So God communicates to us so many different ways. And I think the whole point of the fire, the earthquake, and the wind was to show that we don't need to be looking for God in big things. He just wants to communicate to us. He just wants to talk. And so often we can focus on the still small voice. I, I, I think that we just need to get quiet enough and get unbusy enough just to listen. It could just be a passing thought. It could, God might audibly talk to you, but I, from my experience, 
it's a thought that goes through my head. Go pray for that person. Text that person. Or this, just this morning, I was walking and praying over this message, and this went through my head. I am with you. I am for you. That wasn't me. I don't talk to myself like that. I'm not, I am weird. But like, that was God speaking. And we can so often get confused about things and we, we think that, oh, he's not talking. I'm here to tell you, God is speaking to you. Are we listening? Are we, we, I think he, we're, it's more, more of just being out of frequency with him. God loves you and loves to talk with you. You haven't let him down. Someone needs to hear this. You haven't let him down because you were never holding him up. You don't have to act weird coming back to him. He wants to pick up right where you left off. It doesn't have to be the, one of those awkward meetings like, hey, it's me again. No, just pick up. Pick up right where you left off. The second thought I'm going to leave you, I'm going to go through these last two really fast. God's communication with us is always worth the cost. So God's communication with us is not always conventional. He speaks to us in a million different ways. He loves you so much that he wants to talk to you. God's communication is, with us is always worth the cost. It's always worth the cost. So often, we, we get caught up in the silence of God. And we think that he's not talking to us. And I want to tell you that he is. And, and so often, I, 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 want you, I want you to see this. God communicated to Jeremiah to do something. Jeremiah did it. But it literally cost him. Jeremiah had to go buy a linen loincloth. That cost him. Jeremiah had to travel to the Euphrates River from Israel. That cost him. That's hundreds of miles. And he did it without the convenience of modern travel. Jeremiah, to, to hear from God, he had to pay a cost. Too often we underestimate the power of a bad season in our life. There's a cost, and it's worth it. And when we go through a bad season, we give Sunday school answers to Christians, right? We say stuff like, God wastes nothing. That's like my Sunday school answer. That's my go-to when someone comes to me with an issue. And I love it because God doesn't waste anything. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, God makes all things work together for good. And that's another one we go to. He makes all things work together. A bad season. And I think that we, some of us are going through some really bad seasons right now. And um, we think that God is silent. And we're focusing on the bad. And, and, and so we, we focus on 
how it affects us. And so we, we lean into these, God's not going to waste us, God's not going to waste us, God's not going to waste us, which is true. That's why I love it. It's, it's 100% true. It might be a Sunday school answer, but it's true. Or, or we take in, uh, God makes all things work together. This bad season, he's going to make, make it work together. He might be silent right now, but he's making it work together. You know, it is true, but I want, I'm going to add something to the belt of what you could tell yourself when you're going through a bad season. Okay? And it's this. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you're going through a, even a good season, but if you're going through it, maybe we should add to our repertoire on top of God's making this work out. God wastes nothing. God, what are you teaching me? And what are you communicating to me? God, what are you teaching me in this bad season? Why? Because God wastes nothing. God's communication with us are worth the cost. It cost Jeremiah to receive this word from God. It cost Elijah to receive that word of God. He had, Elijah had to go on a 40-day walk to get to that mountain to hear from God. It cost him time. It's the only thing he doesn't get back in life cost. God, what are you teaching me? God, what are you communicating? Because God wastes nothing, because God makes all things work together, even in the worst seasons of our life, God is communicating to us. God literally used a soiled loincloth to communicate a major lesson to a major prophet for a major time to come. God wastes nothing. And God will communicate to you through this season. And whatever cost, whatever you're going through, it's worth the cost. Just one word from God is worth the cost. Just one moment in his presence is worth the cost. You know, Job went through a season in his life, the book of Job, and he lost everything minus his wife. He lost his children, he lost his wealth, he lost his everything. And he came before God and he said, God, where are you? What are you doing? And he just rants off and he asked God all these questions. And he just was like, God, I just want you to speak into this. And he wants answers. Why, why he lost everything. And he lost his health. And God responded. He said, where were you when I measured the oceans? Where were you when I separated the mountains from the waters. Where were you when I spoke galaxies? And he never answered. Like, go read it. It's towards the end of Job. God never answered the questions that Job posed. He just asked, he just turned around and asked him questions. Like, you realize who I am, essentially. I'm God Almighty. And, and I think the lesson here is, after Job heard God's response, his only response was to worship. Because it's not necessarily about what God says to you in those seasons. It's about the fact that God says. God spoke and that was enough. God spoke. God communicates. 
God's communication with us is always worth the cost. God spoke, and that was enough for Job. And the last thought I want to leave with you. God's communication with us works in his chronology. I had to find another C word. So, like, God's communication with us is always is not always conventional. God's communication with us is always worth the cost. And God's communication with us is always, it, it, it works in his chronology. I find it so funny that God told Jeremiah to go buy a loincloth. Every time I read, I, I, the seven-year-old boy in me just wants to giggle every time I read the word loincloth. It just makes me, <laughs> I just think it's so funny that this story is in the Bible. And, I, and the more I chew on it, the, the more I think about it, it's, it's this idea that God told him. So I want you to get this. God told Jeremiah to get the loincloth. He's speaking to him the whole time. Why didn't he just tell him the lesson? Why didn't God just say, okay, Imagine with me, you had a loincloth and you buried it for a long time and it rotted. Well, that represents this. Because God's communicating to him the whole time anyways. Instead, God <laughs> literally had Jeremiah buy a new linen loincloth, wear it, travel to bury it, travel back, wait for a long period, travel back to where he buried it, dig it up, look at it, all to communicate a point to Jeremiah. There is a time between where Jeremiah put it in the rocks and he got it out of the rocks. It says a long time waste went by. A long time went by. Did Jeremiah, during that time, did he quit being a prophet of God because God was not communicating to him about the loincloth? No. He was still a prophet of God. Did Jeremiah stop doing the things God told him to do? No, he kept doing what God told him to do. And I'm telling you, if you, and even though, like, I can't help but think what, what was going on in Jeremiah's mind as he was, as he was like, he buried this loincloth. And he's like, okay, I'm over by the Euphrates River, hundreds of miles from home. And now I have to travel back to home. And a long time goes by and he's probably thinking, what's the point of that? God, I did, like, I did what you told me to do. What are you saying? And some of us feel like God has been quiet in our life. And he's not talking to us. That he's not communicating with us. He's, he's not speaking. And, and we think that the silence, the silence is a sign there's something wrong with you. If you have done what God's told you to do, and God is silent, know what that means? He's preparing the answer for you. I, someone needs to hear this today. God is preparing the answer for you. He has it on the way to communicate clearly the message that God wanted to communicate to Jeremiah. A time period had to go by in order for the weight of the message to hit home in Jeremiah's life.
And the same is true for you today. It might not be a loincloth that God had you bury by the Duck River. And some of you guys are like, I'm going to go bury a loincloth today. I need to hear from God. No, that's, that's not it. God's not silent in your life. He's waiting at the right time to communicate to you so it carries the proper weight so that we can understand him clearly. God is preparing the message for you. When God seems to be quiet, God seems to, like, you're like, I just don't feel like he's moving. Oh, he's working. He was rotting a loincloth for months to prepare a message for his people. Jeremiah did what God told him to do. And he had to wait. Waiting is a beautiful thing. Some of us are waiting right now. Some of us are are waiting on God to come through. You've been you've been doing what God told you to do. Like I've been paying my tithe, Lord, but I just my my finances are in shambles. Or I've been I've been witnessing to my neighbor or my coworker, and they just it just seems not to be going anywhere. But you've been doing what God's told you to do, or I've I've stepped out in faith and I've moved, or I've whatever that step is that the Lord told you to do, and you did it, and then suddenly it's just like, well, God, where are you? God's preparing the answer. Don't give up. I'm here to tell you, break through is coming. Maybe this is the communication from God that you need to hear today. Your breakthrough is right around the corner. Do not give up. Do not give up. The Bible tells us, do not grow weary in well-doing, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't give up in your prayer life. Your answers are right around the corner. Maybe the Lord laid on your heart to pray for a specific need or to say, I just got to pray for our country. I need to pray. Keep praying. Like, well, it just keeps getting worse. Keep praying. God is hearing you. Keep doing what the Lord told you to do. You are making headway. You are making a difference. You are because you're being obedient. Your answer is coming. Your, Your breakthrough is coming. He's preparing it for you. There are no shortcuts in the kingdom of God, and we want shortcuts, but when we get shortcuts, we aren't mature enough to receive it. If we got the answer before God has prepared us for the answer, we would crumble under the answer. If we got the breakthrough before we are ready for the breakthrough, we would think we had something to do with the breakthrough. If we got... No, God, while he's preparing your answer, he's preparing you for the answer. Keep going. Don't give up. Keep seeking. Don't give up. Keep praying. Don't stop. Man, a couple months ago, I... I I know I share stories all the time, and I'll just be transparent for a second. Um, I normally am. I'm pretty much an open book. Um, I honestly just was praying, like, God, I, I just don't feel like I should walk downtown anymore. Like, I just, 
I don't, I don't know why. I, I was just wrestling with it. Like, maybe it was just I, I wasn't feeling boldness anymore. You know, like, there are times where I feel really bold in my faith and that I could take on hell with a squirt gun. And other times I just feel like I'm so insignificant. And I was just praying, like, Lord, I, I don't think I should walk downtown anymore. I, I just don't feel like I'm making a difference. Like, I've been sharing the gospel with people, hundreds of people, over the course of three years. Just so I, And I don't just do it downtown. It's not like when I leave downtown, like, all right, I've hit my quota for today. I'm not sharing the gospel with anyone else. No, like, that's not, that's not how it works. I, I'll pray with people. I'm like, okay, and that was kind of one of the reasons, too, is like, Lord, I... I share the gospel at the gym all the time. I share the gospel at Walmart. It's not, it's not like downtown is like significant, I guess. And I'm wrestling with this. And I felt like the Lord said, and I, I did a lap. And I got back to the car and the Lord's like, do one more lap. And I just, that, 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 that just went through my head. It wasn't a still small voice. It was, it was just like, do another lap. So I did another lap and didn't, I didn't run into, I, I got within like a hundred feet of my car and there was this guy that's walking up the sidewalk and he had a patch and he didn't have a shirt on. The Lord said, he needs to talk to you. I'm like, all right. And so I walked up to him and I said, hey man, can I talk to you? And he said, dude, I knew that you wanted to talk with me. Like, I said, well, I honestly want to pray with you. He's like, I knew that. I really feel like you were going to pray with me. I'm like, do I look like a person that just, well, I mean, I'm glad that he thought that. I was like, wow, I just had jeans and T-shirts on, you know? Like, I was like, well, that's awesome. I said, well, I do want to pray with you. And I got to share the gospel with that guy and speak life into him. And what's so funny is what he said to me. He's like, dude, I've seen you down here before. I've seen you pray with other people. I'm like, what? Didn't think of, like, I just felt like I wasn't making a difference. And I thought, whoa. You know, and there have been so many times where I just felt like, Lord, is, is this season done and over with me walking downtown? And the Lord hasn't given me any new instruction. So I'm just going to keep doing it until he gives me something else to do. He told me to walk downtown, tell people that I love them. Not, not that I love them, that he loves them, and to pray with them. And as I walked back to the car, I was just sitting there thinking, that was worth it. Like, that guy might not ever come to our church, but a seed was planted in the gospel does make a difference and so I went back downtown the next day and and I was still wrestling I was still asking those questions though it's like Lord is you still want me to do this and and God communicates to us so many different ways and I saw a lemonade stand and a, a, a little kid selling cookies and lemonade and and like you know the dad of me is like I gotta I gotta buy something I gotta donate to you know, and so I was like, well, I don't want any lemonade, but I do want some of those chocolate chip cookies. Those look amazing. And so I, I bought some cookies from him, and the mom goes, you're that pastor that prays and walks down here. <laughs> I was like, I do pray and walk down here. I'm like, oh, I, I, and she's like, yeah, I reckon. I was like, 
I say all that to say consistency in time make a difference, but at the same time, God communicates. I was wondering, Lord, am I even making a difference? And God used a, a shirtless guy with an eye patch and a lemonade stand to communicate to me that obedience always makes a difference. Obedience always makes a difference. Why? <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? God communicates to us in unconventional ways. God's communication to us is always worth the cost. God's communication to us is on his timeline. Don't give up. If the Lord's told you to do something, don't give up. He's preparing you for the answer. Keep going. Don't give up. The only thing that will ever render results in your life is not giving up. Consistency in time. Consistency over a period of time makes a difference. Amy alluded to it earlier, but we're going to set up a booth right in front of 10 Cottage next month. And we're going to be just literally be a blessing to our community. We're going to have information about the church for sure. But we're going to have water. We're going to have candy or mints or whatever. And we're going to have stuff for the kids and it's going to be completely free and we just want to start conversations and love people they're going to be walking downtown let's give them some water and and as i was talking to the person at tin cottage she's like yeah you're that pastor that walks downtown and prays it's like of course you can and i was like consistency in time it renders what you want god to do consistently obey him and give it time. Jeremiah had to wait a long time to receive what the Lord wanted to communicate to him, but it was worth it. Your answer is around the corner. Don't give up. Your breakthrough is around the corner. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking. The Bible says, anyone who seeks finds anyone who knocks the door will be open like like it's it's just keep going persevere how i want us to end today is i want us to end with worship but if you have a prayer need i want i would ask that you step out because sometimes we need people to pray with us maybe even praying about something and you've been keeping it to yourself for a while and and you just need prayer. And you're like, no one else has been praying with me about this. Well, the Bible says we're two or more agreeing, touching any one thing, it shall be done. There's power in multiplied prayer. I don't care what denominational background you have, there's power in multiplied prayer. I remember I prayed for 45 minutes for a demon-possessed dude, and three demons came out. A pastor joined me in praying in 15 minutes, four more demons came out, and he gave his heart to Jesus. I was exhausted after 45 minutes of praying. But when I got help, the Lord expedited it. Maybe you just need prayer. I'm going to be up here. Amy's going to be up here. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you need to give your heart to Jesus, and you said, I, I have not been living for him. And I just need to come back to him. I'm going to be up here. Amy's going to be up here. What I don't want to happen, though, is 
feel the Holy Spirit leading you to step out in faith and, and respond to, to prayer or repentance. I don't want you to sit there in fear. What will people think? Or, oh, my friends think I have it all together or whatever. You don't answer to them. You answer to God. Do what he tells you. Obedience to God over time renders results. And your first step of obedience could be today. The Lord's telling you to come forward for prayer. Step in obedience. The rest of us, maybe you don't need prayer. Maybe you don't need to give your heart back to Jesus. Let's stand and worship Jesus for who he is. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's a God that meets us. He's a God that wants to communicate to us. I find that as I worship him, that's when the Lord communicates so clearly to me because my heart is focused on hearing. Hey guys, we hope that you enjoyed today's service. If God spoke to you in any way or you would like prayer, you can comment below or connect with us on our website at c1.church. If you have never accepted Jesus into your life, we would love to do that. All you need to do is believe that He is the Son of God, that He rose and died again, and ask Him to forgive your sins. If you have done that, please make sure to let us know. We would love to celebrate you, and if you are not in the area, get you connected to a church that would grow you in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you next week.